Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Sir, uh, how can you uh, describe uh, Mr. Papadopoulos as having a limited role when there's a, there's a photograph of Mr. Papadopoulos sitting at a table with... Uh, the uh, president has Trump thousands of photographs with meeting. millions of people. And, so uh, He was also cited by then-candidate Trump in a meeting with the Washington Post as to who his uh, top foreign policy advisors are. Uh, that seems to fight against what you're saying. And also, how, how is it not collusion when George Papadopoulos is in contact with various people who are promising dirt on Hillary Clinton? Uh, a series of events that closely mirrors what occurred with the president's own son. This individual was on a... In pursuit of information that was damaging about the Clintons. How is all of that not collusion? Look, uh, this individual was the member of a volunteer advisory council that met one time over the course of a year, uh, and he was part of a list that was read out in the Washington Post. I'd hardly call that some sort of... uh, regular advisor or as you want to you know push that he's uh, like a senior member of the staff it's uh, he was not paid by the campaign he was a volunteer on a again a council that met once he was pursuing information think, from the uh, Russians. Again, he was a volunteer. I think that's something you need to ask him. I'm not here to speak on behalf of the you know thousands of. You're a former prosecutor. You know what how grand juries operate. Tell me where we are in this investigation with what's happening this day. So the question has always been about collusion, though, with the Trump campaign, which still remains an open question, right? We are back. You are watching CNN on this busy Monday afternoon. I'm Brooke Baldwin. You're watching CNN special coverage here on this landmark day in the Russia investigation. The first charges, the first guilty plea now are in the books. And they involve these three former Trump campaign staffers, including the man all the way to the left here, former campaign chairman Paul Manafort. Uh, What is more, the guilty plea by the man all the way to the right there, George Papadoulos, uh, specifically involves Trump campaign ties to Russia. Documents show that he tried to arrange meetings with campaign members and Russian officials. The White House moments ago downplayed his role in the campaign. And this image showing him at the table uh, right there, we've spotlighted it with the President of the United States. The White House Press Secretary stressed none of the events today show that there was any Russian collusion with the president. It was a volunteer position. And again, uh, no activity was ever done in an official capacity uh, on behalf of the campaign in that regard. What about the outreach that he was making to campaign officials to try to put together this You mean that that outreach that was repeatedly denied and pushed away and said, we're not going to take any action on that? Can 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 you explain? What happened with his outreach? Uh, He reached out and nothing happened beyond that, which I think shows, one, his level of importance in the campaign, and two, uh, shows what little role he had within coordinating anything officially for the campaign. All right, so let's start with Papadopoulos here, our justice correspondent Pamela Brown on the details of the guilty plea. And so start from the beginning. When did George Papadopoulos reach out to the Russians? 
Well, according to these documents, uh, these court documents, Brooke, there are emails going back to March 2016 when he was a foreign policy advisor uh, where he discussed having a, quote, very productive lunch uh, where he was introduced to Putin's niece and Russian ambassador in London. This apparently was a lunch with a, uh, a professor who uh, he believed had ties to senior Russian government officials. Then you fast forward to May, Brooke, and uh, there is an email that he sends, uh, Papadopoulos sends, saying that uh, Russia has been eager to meet Mr. Trump for, quote, some time. He sends that email uh, to a campaign official, a senior campaign official. That campaign official affords it to another official, saying DT is not doing these trips, should be someone low level so as not to send any signal. Uh, so clearly the campaign at this point in May was aware of this effort uh, to connect the, the Trump campaign with the Russians. And basically they were saying in these emails that are in these court documents, Brooke, uh, that Donald Trump shouldn't be involved because it would call too much attention, but that, you know, lower level people like George Papadopoulos should go. Um, and then there's another email, uh, Brooke, where a, the campaign official actually encourages Papadopoulos to go and, and to Russia for these meetings to bring someone else with him on the policy side, the, the foreign policy advisor side. That trip never happened according to the court documents, according to federal officials. But what's interesting here is that there is another email showing that the Russians were saying it had been approved from our side. Then you go to February 2017. Papadopoulos has his second interview. The first one was in January. Then he had the second interview. Then immediately after, according to the FBI, he deletes his Facebook his Facebook page mm -hmm. allegedly had these communications between the Russia that he had with the Russians that he had downplayed to the FBI and claimed that he only had before he was part of this campaign. So, so much in these court documents here, Brooke. So he pleads guilty to these mm -hmm. misstatements. He's and he's apparently now cooperating with the FBI. That was one piece of the news that broke today. Pamela, thank you so much for the timeline yep. there. Here's the other piece. Just a short time ago, Paul Manafort um, who turned himself in this morning, pleaded not guilty to the 12 federal charges against him. And his longtime business associate, Rick Gates, did the same. His attorney, Gates's attorney, just released a statement. Let me just read it for you here. Uh, Rick, Date, Rick Gates pled not guilty today. He welcomes the opportunity to confront these charges in court. He is not going to comment further until he has had a chance to review the lengthy indictment with his legal team. In the meanwhile... He would appreciate you respecting his and his family's privacy as they weather this unexpected and hasty proceeding designed to accommodate perhaps political and press considerations rather than his right to have counsel of his choice by his side during this most troubling and challenging day for him and his loved ones. And they end with this fight is just beginning. Jessica Schneider is outside the courthouse where those two uh, former staffers just uh, pled guilty. And, and Jessica, before you you know, ex explain the charges these men are facing, talk to me about the bail amount, that big, big number that was requested. Mm. Well, Brooke, from page one right now, and there are 31 and we're piecing through it right now, Manafort and Gates generated tens of millions of dollars in income as a result of the Ukraine work in order to hide Ukraine payments from United States authorities from approximately 2006 through at least 2016. So this went up 
through the election year, Manafort and Gates laundered the money through scores of U.S. and foreign corporations, partnerships, and bank accounts. Again, Jeffrey, we'll keep yeah. on reading yeah. through but, this. Go ahead. But, but I, I think th th a very significant point. Two, two points. One, the Trump campaign is not mentioned in this indictment. I have gone through it once. And that's, I think, in a very yes. important point. And, and I, it is certainly something you will hear from the president's supporters. And I think it's a very valid point. There, it, it does not include any reference to his work on the Trump campaign. However... It also does include statements that he made during the time he that he chair. was uh, the chair of the Trump campaign. So, so that I think is highly significant. That the that Robert Mueller is alleging that um, uh, that that Paul Manafort was committing crimes while wow. he was the campaign chairman of. Uh, of the Trump campaign. And, so, and Jeffrey, again, it does not preclude the possibility that this 12-count indictment will not be used to try to get information about the Trump absolutely. campaign. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one thing, you know, people need to know about the way prosecutions work is that just because an indictment has been filed mm -hmm. doesn't mean that that's the only indictment will be filed. There's something called a superseding indictment where you can add charges uh, against the same defendant. So, so we are not at the end of the process by any means. The filing lists multiple communications by Papadopoulos in attempts to arrange a meeting between the campaign with the Russian government and alleges that after several weeks of further communications regarding a potential off-the-record meeting with Russian officials on or about August 15, 2016, an unnamed official described as campaign supervisor told Papadopoulos that, quote, I would encourage you. And another foreign policy advisor to the campaign said, encourage you to make the trip to Russia if it is feasible. Interesting. You know, what I'm struck by reading through this plea agreement is the same thing I'm struck by with the Donald Jr. story that we had a couple of months ago with the meeting in June of 2016, is that when they're presented in the Trump campaign with an opportunity to get dirt from a foreign power right. about the political opponent, they don't run from it. They're thrilled by it. Donald Jr. Right. said, I love it. That was his quote when he got that email. Another campaign might say, I don't want to go anywhere near this. I don't want to touch this. I know what the implication would be of my having a relationship with a foreign and, and, and power meddling in this election. Let's just stop just for one second and say every campaign yeah. that any of us have ever known about, worked on, reported for, would have all said, get away from me. Right. Get behind me, Satan. I want yeah. nothing to do with any of that. The fact that they ran straight to it, Willie, is something that, again... In this bizarre political world we live in now, something that we sometimes overlook, and it's so strange. And it speaks to the tone of the campaign, which, which that Papadopoulos went back to his superiors, ran back to his superiors and said, I've got this stuff, and they encouraged him to push forward and go have the meeting. They said, we're not going to send Donald Trump to the meeting, but we encourage you to go. So it'd be one thing if they, quote, volunteer, mm -hmm. said, oh, I'm excited by this, but then to go to a supervisor who encouraged it and didn't say, whoa, cut ties, it, don't touch that stuff, it tells you a lot about what was going Mike, on in the campaign. Shortly before 10.30 yesterday morning, the president I'm revealed... Keep the rest of the show, because I was so impressed with this. I'm just keep holding this up. Go ahead, own Mika. thoughts. Yeah, go ahead. On the indictments in two tweets. My arm's Quote, sore. I'm putting it down. Sorry, but this is years ago, before Paul Manafort was part of the Trump campaign. But why aren't crooked Hillary and the Dems the focus? <laughs> I'm oh, my sorry. gosh. I'm sorry. Hey, 
Who, also, who, called, who accidentally called? There is oh, no oh. collusion. Wow, you still out there? I, I had to smoke a cigarette after all that excitement. I'm sorry for the long lead-in, but going to get it over with. But welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 1st of November. The holiday season starts now, my friends. Yes, we'll be playing Christmas music from now until Christmas as our bumper. But uh, yeah, Manafort Papalopoulos, you guys know that. I wanted to play the media reaction because it was priceless. I mean, they were so excited. CNN was so excited. I called it a, an all-day hashtag resist orgasm because that's what they were doing. Um, today also... After we get through our normal segments, this is the abortion show. For those that are not in abortion, listen to the intro. Fast forward at the end will be the usual news and social media nuggets. But with all the abortion talk lately, I, I got to get some facts out. So we're going to go through that stem cell express stuff. And we're going to play what a doctor tells you a second trimester abortion is. America doesn't hear this stuff. The media suppresses it. The liberals say it's a woman's choice. But when we go through the statistics... Um, I'm going to make a shocking admission today. The more I've researched, the more I've changed. Um, but we'll get to it in that segment. So things you didn't know about. Uh, Mueller's slam by Gowdy for leaking to CNN. He leaked this to CNN ahead of time. CNN was at the courthouse. Yeah, that's probably not good. Mueller is being accused of violating Manafort's rights, uh, constitutional rights, because he took evidence that was not on the warrant, uh, as stated, seen it was there. By midday, uh, things started coming out that they couldn't, like, stop. The fact that, you know, the judge, Deborah A. Robinson and Amy Berman Jackson are actually, uh, donating to the Clintons. Uh, they were the person that actually filed this, um, Warrant. Hillary Clinton potentially laundered the same money. Nobody wants to see that. All day, Twitter talked about it, but then finally the truth came out. That Manafort was working for the Podestas. Yeah, that's right. Podestas. Hillary's campaign manager. His brother, Infusion GPS, and basically a lot of people are believing it's going to happen, all right? Tony Podesta stepped down. He directly blamed Fox News, but anybody could see it in the warrant that A and B was Fusion GPS and the Podesta group. So as Hillary went to Russia to get help, and somehow we're not doing warrants because, you know, Trump's Trump and everybody hates him. We're going that route. And by the way, I could give a fuck about Manafort or Papalopoulos. I never even heard of the guy, Papalopoulos. But he broke the law. He broke the law. All right. Um, Washerman Schultz got involved. People crushed her. The federal investigation led by Robert Mueller is incredibly important for our democracy and our nation. As a criminal probe escalates, Congress must signal that we will not tolerate any interference by the president because they're scared. They're all scared that somehow, some way, he's going to file Mueller, fire Mueller. But in the end result, as you've probably already heard the spin, the, the fact is this has nothing to do with the campaign. The Papalopoulos guy was not even on the staff. He was just kind of a con consultant. And then he was fired because all he wanted to do to get was Russia. So there is no real collusion here, even though the mainstream media is going to make you think that. It's not going to happen. 
Um, but Debbie Washerman Schultz actually opened her yak hole is pretty funny. But in the end, the whole thing is, I think the Podesta group's going to get pulled in. Fusion's going to get pulled in. There's a lot of fake news that Fusion blocked the records. It doesn't matter. This is the fucking FBI. So I think the most amazing thing, and as we go through this, well, let me just do a couple headlines, and then we're going to play Tucker, because that's the most important thing, really. You know, because Podesta's threatening them. Uh, Hillary Clinton was spotted with people from... Miller investigation and Tony Podesta. That's all over conservative media. I, I don't know if that's true. Um, I really don't. But when you break it down, I don't think anybody believed, believed that in this, their zeal to get Trump, they were going to get themselves because everybody was getting dirt on everybody. You know, Hillary was going after the Russian dossier and Trump was going after the 30,000 emails. Um, so, I mean, I think what, what we have here is dealings with Russia and, and Russian Federation X states and all the bullshit. It has nothing to do with the campaign. And I still going to end up with a net zero fledgling scooter libbies from both sides are going to get jail time. This is going to lead to nothing. But they sure are scared if they're attacking a Fox News Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. We have exclusive new reporting on a story that has turned Washington upside down and caused more intrigue than anything in the city I've seen in 25 years. As of course you've heard, independent counsel Robert Mueller's investigation has zeroed in on its first targets. Today, former Donald Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort and his business associate Rick Gates were both indicted on charges of money laundering, tax fraud, and failure to report lobbying arrangements. Now, the indictment, among other things, offers tantalizing details about how foreign lobbying actually works at the highest levels in Washington, how Manafort allegedly used laundered offshore cash to buy Range Rovers, expand his wardrobe, somehow spend $655,000 on landscaping for his house in the Hamptons. Manafort's indictment comes as, honestly, no surprise to anyone who's been in Washington for a while and has watched him operate, though, of course, the legal system will make the final call on that. It's pretty clear, though, that Paul Manafort is just the first in a series of people in D.C. who are suddenly in deep, deep trouble. Who's next? Well, reading between the lines of the indictment and talking to a number of our own sources, we think we've got a pretty good idea of that. Keep in mind that today's indictment never mentions Donald Trump's presidential campaign or the 2016 election. It only mentions Russia in passing, even though Russian meddling was the pretext for this investigation in the first place. Instead, the indictment catalogs Manafort's efforts to lobby on behalf of pro-Russia groups in Ukraine. The indictment goes into great detail on the relationship between Manafort and two mysterious groups described in the document as Company A and Company B. Those companies, we can report tonight, are Mercury LLC, that's led by former Republican Congressman Vin Weber, and the Podesta Group, founded by Tony Podesta and his brother John, whom you'll remember as Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman. None of this will come as a shock to viewers of this show. Last Tuesday, we told you that the Mueller investigation is no longer primarily a search for Russian collusion in the 2016 race. It is now a much far-reaching inquiry into corrupt lobbying practices across D.C., one that is very likely to ensnare figures close to Hillary Clinton.
In press accounts, Mueller's investigation is still framed as a hunt for collusion between Donald Trump's presidential campaign and the government of Russia. Our source says investigators are, in fact, very interested in Manafort's behavior while he ran the Trump campaign, but otherwise that description is mostly bogus. The investigation has broadened now to determine which people and which organizations in Washington have spent years working secretly as de facto operatives on behalf of Russian government and business interests. The Podesta Group is chief among these. Quote, they are more focused on facilitators of Russian influence in this country, says our source, than they are on election collusion. The Podesta Group, he says, quote, is in their crosshairs. Well, that segment, which ran last week, provoked a snarling legal threat from Tony Podesta today, designed to shut us up. That's not going to happen, obviously, but we'll tell you a lot more about it in just a minute. Last week, we explained how Manafort, Paul Manafort, used a sham group called the European Center for a Modern Ukraine to lobby on behalf of pro-Russian forces in Ukraine. Those forces sought a number of changes to American policy, changes to the Republican platform, for example. Some of the changes are obviously contrary to America's interests and values. Among them, they wanted the U.S. government to support the imprisonment of one of the U.K. president's political opponents. Shady does not begin to describe this operation. Even some of Tony Podesta's own employees thought the whole thing was disgusting. Well, today's indictment confirms our reporting on this. It describes the Center for Modern Ukraine as a fake organization, merely, quote, a mouthpiece for the Ukrainian president, Yanukovych. The indictment also confirms that the lobbying groups Manafort hired in Washington, including Tony Podesta's, knew perfectly well that the Center for the Modern Ukraine was fake when they signed on to represent it. According to the feds, Podesta's company was told explicitly they would be lobbying on behalf of the Ukrainian president. In November 2012, the indictment says, Manafort's business partner explicitly requested reports on lobbying activity by both those companies so that he could brief the president of Ukraine, Yanukovych, on what they were doing. It couldn't get dirtier. But despite apparently knowing they were acting as foreign agents, agents of a foreign government, the Podesta group never registered as foreign agents. Failure to do that is against the law. In April 2012, the Podesta Group filed documents with Congress relating to its work with the Center for a Modern Ukraine. At the time, they falsely claimed that group was just a foreign NGO. The Podesta Group's filing contained a declaration by the Center for Modern Ukraine that, quote, none of the activities of the Center are directly or indirectly supervised, directed, controlled, financed, or subsidized in whole or in part by a government of a foreign country or a foreign political party. That declaration, false, was endorsed as true by Kimberly Fritz, now the CEO of the Podesta Group and a former Jeb Bush staffer, all apparently a lie. Moreover, according to today's indictment, the Podesta Group must have known it was a lie when they signed that document. Under the law, the firm should have immediately registered with the government, the U.S. government, under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Instead, the Podesta Group waited until spring 2017, this year, to do that, and then somehow applied the status retroactively. By that point, the Center for Modern Ukraine had effectively been out of business for three years. It was a little late. Interestingly, the Podesta Group filed those late papers just weeks after media outlets began reporting that law enforcement was investigating Manafort's offshore bank accounts. Connection? But wait, why would Ukrainian interests hire Tony Podesta in the first place? 
Well, according to a former Podesta employee we spoke to over this weekend, even foreign officials in distant lands understood that Tony Podesta's brother was John Podesta, a key Clinton confidant. It was widely known the two brothers had dinner together every Sunday night. Quote, that's not something we hid from clients of the firm. They loved hearing that. Even a native Russian speaker could grasp the point of all of this. The Podesta Group was hired by Paul Manafort on behalf of foreign clients because the company was perceived to have a direct line to powerful politicians. John Podesta was Hillary's campaign chairman. Tony Podesta had been friends with Bill Clinton since the midterm elections of 1970. Influence peddling 101. How central were the Podesta's political connections to their profit model? Consider this. The firm's billing dropped dramatically almost immediately after Hillary Clinton lost the race for president. That tells you a lot. Mueller's investigators apparently have figured this out. Today, Tony Podesta resigned as head of his company. His excuse? Us. That's right, he blamed us. In his parting statement, Podesta said this, quote, It is impossible to run a public affairs firm while you're under attack by Fox News and the right-wing media. Well, Podesta isn't just complaining about us, though. He's threatening us. This afternoon, we got a letter from Jeff Garenther. He's a lawyer with Venable LLP, a big law firm here in D.C. The letter demands that this show, quote, immediately cease and desist disseminating false and misleading reports about Mr. Podesta and the Podesta Group. It demands we retract and delete all our prior reporting on the Podesta Group and warns that if we don't do this, quote, Mr. Podesta may pursue legal action, including for damages, in order to fully protect his rights. The letter doesn't stop there, though. It also warns us that we will face legal action under the Copyright Act merely for quoting from this letter publicly, as we just did. The most amusing line, though, is this one, quote, Paul Manafort did not work with the Podesta Group in its representation of the European Center for a Modern Ukraine. That's what the lawyer's letters told us. Apparently, that lawyer hasn't read the Manafort indictment yet. In paragraph 22 of that indictment, we read this, quote, At the direction of Manafort and Gates, companies A and B engaged in extensive lobbying on Ukraine. The indictment also says that the Podesta Group and Mercury were selected personally by Paul Manafort to lobby on behalf of Ukrainian interests. So if John Podesta's legal team has a complaint, it's not with us, it's with the Department of Justice and the Mueller investigation. But maybe we're being too literal about this, probably so. Podesta's lawyer wasn't trying to inform us of anything, but to threaten us to shut down our reporting on his client. One lawyer we talked to earlier today said the Podesta people have used this tactic with others before. It's common. It's an effort to use fear to control press coverage. We're not intimidated. We have ample evidence from Mueller's indictment from a number of confidential sources to paint a pretty clear picture of exactly what the Podesta group was doing for years here in Washington. We'll let the facts speak for themselves. And we're confident the Mueller investigation will be revealing a lot more about Tony Podesta's lobbying practices in the near future. In the meantime, if you're looking for a summary of all of this, here's the one-sentence cliff note to the whole affair. The chairman of one major presidential campaign colluded with the brother of the chairman of the other major presidential campaign to enrich themselves by secretly advancing the interests of a foreign adversary. That happened. That's the swamp they told you needed. I think he put it pretty doggone good. So, other news before I move into the close of loop and we'll get to more media sound bites. We got a lot of sound bites today and I, I know it might be boring, but I know a lot, most of you are like me. We're not listening anymore and some of this shit is just outright crazy. I mean, we're about to get into the Hillary shit with close the lip, loop and, uh, ah, it, it's criminal what they're doing, but 
I got a le- a letter or email from Washington Post about their service, of course. And they, unfortunately, put slots in there for you to give your opinion. And I will just read the beginning, or really the ending. I think the ending. I wrote a very long one. Um, but I think this summed up the gist of my little statement to them. For now, it seems you, New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS are going for progs. Washington Times, New York Post, Fox, and the dreaded alt-right media that is now something are going con. And the rest of us are watching Food Channel and gleaning our news from Twitter and Facebook since, as stated, the repetition is tiresome. Doubt anyone will read this, but felt good to put it to digits, if only for my sanity. And it felt good to send that to him. No, I'm not going to recommend you. No, I, I'm shutting it off. I'll just stick to the five articles a week or a month that I can use. And no, I even laid into him how 10 articles a day on Trump's the devil. Got it. I'm not a Trump guy, but I got it. You're, 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 you're shooting the horse, burning him, and then dropping napalm, and then atomic bomb on top of that. We got it. That's why your freaking viewers or your readership is going down. You're repetitive. You've ran out of ways to say Trump sucks. Let's close the loop. Uh, to the GPS situation, we found out it's not a candidate. We found out it was Paul Singer and his uh, and his free beacon. We found out that he was only looking at two candidates in particular, uh, and he stopped uh, stopped the investigation as soon as Donald Trump locked up the nomination. As soon as he did that, he goes, okay, let's see what happens from the Republican perspective. Then we find out that somebody else picks up this investigation, makes it international. It has a Russian element. There was no Russian element to the Free Beacon financed opposition research. That's a major difference. And then we're supposed to believe that John Podesta had no idea that six to nine million dollars is flying out of the campaign. He said he didn't know. And his lawyer, when he's saying he didn't know, Mark Elias says, oh, yeah, I actually approve that. So you're the lawyer sitting next to a client who's pretending he doesn't know. That's unbelievable. I just want to as Karen knows and probably Roland knows, I've been highly critical of Hillary Clinton for a long period of time and all of the manifestations of everything that's been I think all of us know that. I have to say, we need to give out the David Copperfield or Harry Houdini Award for misdirection in this thing. This is, reminds me of the uranium deal whole story, which has been debunked along the way, all along the way. This is a whole other story. There is no similarity between what Robert Mueller's investigation and collusion and what the Russians wanted to do and a dossier paid for in part by the Democrats in order of that. There's no reason Why would you think that? The FBI indictments could have been There's no relationship between the dossier and the Democrats. It's well worth looking into this and finding out what the truth is. This is all old news. I mean, I actually wrote about this story and how it came to be in my book published three, four months ago. I mean, all of this stuff came out years ago. There was a front page story in the New York Times. And the element that's about this is hasn't really got any attention that I think is important is uh, this story was generated by Steve Bannon uh, working under the auspices of the Mercer family, the, the right wing billionaires who produced the book Clinton Cash, which in turn, before it was published, was given 
the New York Times reporters who took this realized there really is a story here, uh, and it generated a front-page story in the New York Times above the fold just after Clinton announced her candidacy. The purpose of the story, as Bannon tells me in the book, was to impugn Clinton's character, which it did. Uh, and what's interesting is it's coming up now at the very point at which uh, Russia has become a problem for Donald Trump. And by congressional Republicans surfacing this now, I think it muddies the water and, and draws well, attention away from Trump. Yeah, well, the, the, the new company that bought this uranium has no license to export. Right, the uranium is not in the, Russia. Uranium is not going to Russia. It can't go to Russia. They have no license to export. That's point one. Point two, those are nine cabinet and, and some subcabinet agencies that sit on there, including the Justice Department, of which the FBI is part. So if the FBI had concerns, they should have raised it uh, at, the, at, the, at that level because they had a seat at the table. The Treasury Department chairs that process, by the way, not state or justice. Uh, and finally, Hillary didn't even vote on it. She didn't attend the meetings on it. She delegated it sensibly to somebody who knows more about those stuff, uh, a guy named Jose Fernandez, who's the assistant secretary, who said... And I'm quoting him. He said, Hillary Clinton never intervened with me on any CFIUS matter. So no intervention. She didn't even vote on it. And the Justice Department had a seat at the table, and they can't take but over any other. The president today said he was a victim. I think it's a disgrace. Former Clinton campaign spokesperson Brian Fallon said the Democrats did nothing wrong. I think it's important to remember that opposition research happens all the time in campaigns. In fact, it's standard practice in campaigns for both parties. I think it's important to know who paid for uh, this dossier. What is more important than anything is whether the allegations in the dossier uh, are true. And now one question is, which Republican first started Fusion GPS down the road of digging up dirt on Trump? Fusion GPS hired Christopher Steele, a former British spy who compiled a dossier containing unsubstantiated information, including President Trump's alleged connections to the Kremlin. Alex Conant, who is now a CBS News consultant, worked for Senator Marco Rubio's presidential campaign. Every competent campaign does opposition research on their opponents because you want to know your opponent's vulnerabilities. I think hiring foreign spies is a rather aggressive uh, tactic, which is not normal, but it is normal to do opposition research. If you actually look at what's happened, we're talking about the base of the Republican Party. It's actually been shrinking. We've been contracting as a party. Between December 2015 and March 2017, we lost 23% of Republicans aged 18 to 29. They left the party. That's almost one in four. And that goes in hand in hand with the demographic crisis. Republicans aren't connecting with millennials, the largest generation in the country and the biggest voting bloc. They see us as the party of the crusty old intolerant white guy. And while there are people in the party who are trying to work over and fix that caricature. Donald Trump's doing the exact opposite and proving the caricature true. You think we were in the ninth month of the Clinton administration for all the coverage she's getting. I know. Aside, aside from the fact that none of this matters because she's nowhere near the White House, um, obviously this is a technique to distract and to rile up the base. And we've actually seen um, the conservative media go along with this. There's this unhealthy relationship between some outlets and uh, Donald Trump in really spreading uh, nonsense to the American people. I do think um, that we're in for um, another beating in terms of his popularity and his presidency next week because we are anticipating, obviously, um, another uh, or one, uh, at least, uh, indictment. Jennifer Rubin. 
Northam, and one of the reasons is that Ed Gillespie has tried to turn himself inside out to be a Trumpite. And yeah, people who used true. to like Ed Gillespie, like me, don't like him anymore. And the people who really love Trump probably don't think he's very authentic. He's done a, a 180 from his last election, which was very close. He almost won the U.S. Senate. He has had really a disgraceful election, a disgraceful campaign. All right, Many people very disappointed in him. This is a campaign of confusion. It is one of the most important things happening in American politics today. I mean, if you watched the opinion shows on Fox News this week, you might have thought Hillary Clinton was president, not Trump, Clinton. Here is how the campaign of confusion works. First, the Hill newspaper revived a relatively old story about Russian efforts to gain influence in the American uranium industry during the Obama administration. Fox became fixated on this story, and the messaging was clear. The Russia investigations were recast as a scandal for Clinton and the Dems. Uh, but what I found interesting in your uh, introduction here is how a completely made-up story, something is totally out of whole cloth, forces its way onto a place like CNN simply because the right-wing propaganda channel, which is Fox, made it a story and they wrote they talked about it so much you felt you couldn't ignore it even though it's complete nonsense completely baseless you had to report that it's something that is under that is being discussed among the trump supporters and thereby lend inadvertently credibility to this nonsensical story to go after hillary clinton on the very day that we felt that they were getting closer, that, that Mueller is getting closer to indictments. Well, it helps the Russians, uh, because the Russians like to see further discord uh, in our country. As the first criminal charges are revealed in the special counsel's Russia investigation, President Trump and Republicans are going to battle with Democrats on two fronts, demanding new scrutiny of Hillary Clinton's alleged role as Secretary of State in a 2010 uranium deal, and the Clinton campaign and DNC's funding of that controversial dossier on Donald Trump. Is this all misdirection by the President? President and his advisors joining me now is Democratic Senator Ed Markey. Uh, the president and his allies, as well as one news organization, have been focusing almost entirely on Hillary Clinton. She is being criticized when she actually lost the election. Uh, at this stage, do you think that there is a legitimate issue about the Dem what the Democrats did, as well as what the Republicans uh, arguably did? during the campaign. Uh, look at what, what Donald Trump is doing is he's just throwing out all of these red herrings uh, about Hillary Clinton. Charlie, the political fallout from this, the president pushing back, saying that it really should be Hillary Clinton that we're looking at. It felt like there was a, a coordinated campaign over the last week to discredit this investigation, uh, to uh, to shift the focus from the, the Trump investigation to Hillary Clinton. I mean, this was, this was like a bonfire of whataboutism, trying to change the... Man, that shit's like a roulette wheel, man. They are spinning, spinning, spinning. A shift went out this weekend. The most important question about Trump dossier is not who paid for it, but how much of it's true. Actual, actual, actual. Chiron, CNN. After admitting that the FBI, Washington Post, New York Times, have all said Hillary paid for it. Who's the anti-Trump Republican who helped fund the dossier? They're still trying to pay on GOP. Cheryl Atkinson of the Democratic National Committee had turned its server over FBI exam after alleged Russian hacking of emails. I wonder what would have been found. Why didn't the FBI 
just take servers of national security were at stake. Permission was not needed. And, and that is the crust for conservatives. We're going to fucking raid people's houses with a conservative. But with Hillary, Comey already said she didn't do nothing before they even looked at it. Freaking Joy Reid, it's clear that every Republican surrogate has been given the same marching orders. Swiss Russia topic to Hillary Clinton. Harry Gatto, it's been clear from some time the Democrat marching orders are to cover for Hillary, no matter how true the scandal. <laughs> and it's true. Fallon, left and right, both separately tried to stop Trump in 16. Unsuccessful. Only by working together can we succeed. Here's Alex F. Baldwin. LOL. His year-long Russians narrative died, and it took an hour to shift to Kumbaya. We must work together. Who the fuck? What the fuck? Come on, dude. Fallon's such an idiot. Another headline. Former Clinton DNC aides largely silent on funding a Trump-Russia dossier. Where did that come from? Washington Post. Another one in Salon. GOP's Benghazi response was ghoulish, but Dems want fair-minded inquiry in Niger. That's an actual article. And for those who are new to the show, this is all looping other stuff. There's a hypocrisy section, there's a general hypocrisy, but this is, we're looping stuff we talked about, which was Nigel. The Hill, Dems Senator, Trump data firm reaching out to WikiLeaks is more evidence of collusion. And it was Blumenthal. He's still trying to spit it, spill it. And here's the problem. Keith Burton is not a Republican. Fake Vietnam War vet pushes fake collusion story to hire real Uranium One and Dosser Gate. Oh, yeah. How bad is Russia, Russia, Russia after Uranium One and the dossier information came out? Ohio Democratic Party, stop talking about investigation Stick to real issues. Ohio is not a red state, my friends. It's one of those purple states. Yeah. Yeah. This one is about Kelly, which, you know, kind of fell off the radar. The New York Times had a big piece. This is what it says. For all the talk of Mr. Kelly as moderating force and so-called grown-up in the room, it turns out that he harbors strong feelings on patriotism National security, immigration, that mirror the hardline view of his outspoken boss. Elizabeth Harrington, tongue-in-cheek, gasp. Others, oh really? Really, we want, we, we want a person in the military who's not a patriot? What the fuck is wrong with you? What? I don't understand the media, man. Of course you're going to have soldiers that are patriotic. If we're not, who the fuck is going to fight for your country? Not those goddamn prepsters. Not the resistance in Antifa. They're still fighting other shit. Lost in all this shit was, of course, a terrorist attack. Joy Reid was really upset, and she said the following. Lots of terrorism talk and the speculation on local and national news. Happening in New York, New York City incident. I don't remember that happening for Vegas. Everybody said, are you serious? But when this went down, 
and it stays in our general every time there's a terrorist attack, either take guns or say there's nothing wrong with Islam. Chiron, CNN, witness suspect was yelling, God is great, in Arabic. Yeah, that's what they said. In the end, the way they're rolling this out is that it was a road rage. That's how they're spinning it. But I'm sorry, most Americans, when they hear somebody get out with a gun and start saying Ali Akbar, yeah, no. Maybe it started as that, but it ended with a little Islamism going crazy. Within that, I found a tweet. Ben Shapiro wears the Gillespie bumper sticker. And for those that aren't abreast, Gillespie, of course, is running for office in Virginia. He's a conservative. Listen to this actual, not manufactured, not move on, not not some Vox shit. This is a real campaign ad. Is this what Donald Trump and Ed Gillespie mean by the American dream? Latino Victory Fund paid for and is responsible for the content of this advertisement. Yeah, that's real. Two Latina kids being chased by people with a Gillespie bumper sticker. Prashid Shakur, you want to know how the left can help convince people to vote Republican? This type of fear-mongering will do. I'm very disappointed in you, Jesse. I thought you were better than this. I was wrong, and that makes me very, very sad. And I thought you were better than supporting a candidate and a party that has made children across Virginia fearful of being deported. Clyde Parker, powerfully absurd. Trent Wysick, that mindset exactly why your side is at the lowest point since 1920. Let's get this straight, folks. That's all they have. This is all the Democrats have. You're racist, you're a fucking sexist, you're a xenophobe, you don't want women to abort babies when they're crowning. That's all they have. That's all they've had since Obama. It only worked under Obama because that dude was snick, slicker than snot and could give a good speech that even dumbasses like me would be like a snake charmer. Oh, look at him, He's a, he can talk really good. Well, 2004. By eight, I was already over it. But the point is, that is fucking horrible that people are going to be rounding up Latina kids. We've already been down these stats, resistance members. He's deported less than Obama. Obama did raids. You're Messiah. For the same targeted shit. Criminals. 
But as we go to our tweets of the day, they're defending it. Here's another soundbite from Tucker. You're defending an ad that has a racist driving a truck with an Ed Gillespie sticker on it trying to murder children. And you're defending it by saying Ed Gillespie is running an ad that makes people fearful? I mean, I've, there's, I don't think there's ever been an ad like the one we just watched. Have you ever seen anything like that? I think we're living in an era we've never lived in before. I think what's unique about the last year is that a lot of people are coming forward with statements that used to just be dog whistles are now overt racist But statements. what is that? If that's, that's not... That's based on an actual event that happened. What did that Ed Gillespie is... have to do with that event? Well, I don't know what he had to do with the event necessarily. But why are you tying but him because, to it? Because he's creating a racist environment where people are feeling emboldened. By, by he's what? never dis he's by never disavowed President Trump saying in the heels of the Charlotte of uh, the Charlotte riots that there are good people on both sides. Well, he's I never haven't disavowed, disavowed it either. That. Does that make me? I, it's not mine to disavow. I didn't say it. It's and not so yours to disavow. Does that make it me is a when he's running for governor? Disavow of it? I mean, what? So refusing to disavow whatever that means something that somebody else said now makes you morally equivalent to what you say the first person is like this is insane when So we start out with happy birthday, Madam President Hillary Clinton from John Lewis, Krista Carlyer. This is pretty sad, man. That inspired our pal Iowa Hawk to look out just how far she's come since that fateful day. Happy birthday to this future president. A picture of herself. We're not a narcissist, but whatevs. And her signing books in fucking Costco. <laughs> Peter Dow went on a rant on this shit. It's, I'm thoroughly disgusted by the behavior of so many men towards women. Do better, man. Do better. Have some dignity. Dignity. Somebody said, I'm thoroughly disgusted on the way you handle Hillary's rejection of you. Sorry she gave you the wrong phone number. Crying about it won't help. <laughs> but our tweet of the day... I, I don't even know how to fucking, this is how fucked up we are. This is actually from RT, which I don't ever read RT. I don't watch RT, just like I don't watch Al Jazeera. I don't watch foreign country shit, even though sometimes when I watch MSDNC, it's foreign to me, but it does generate out of the United States. But I research it, it's true. This woman, very attractive young lady, Uplifting protest. Woman pulls up skirt in crowded metro to explore, expose harassment. And she's wearing a thong. And I just had to make that the tweet of the day because... What the fuck? Hey, tweet of the day! Is it that there could be a video, kind of a martyrdom video, so-called, which is what we saw in 
I think when the Charlie Hebdo attacks, if, if memory serves me, there were, there were some. In some of the attacks in the Europe that we've seen, there, there had been that. I was going to say that if he did con make contact, if he did make contact with ISIS, they will have instructed him not to just leave a note, right? They want a martyrdom video. They want. This is not an echo chamber. What is the project? That the Republicans are pursuing. This is not a one-way street. Overturning the norms of American politics was a campaign promise. This is a dialogue. The obligations right now for the members of my party is remember your history. That looks at the world. That's what America first means to me. Country over party. And all its complexities. Don't watch what they say. Watch what they do. From every side. It's exactly what the founders of this country imagined. Ah, good old hate. Tweets. And I put those two up front. I was going to put it in hypocrisy, but I had to put it here because it just sums it up. There's somebody yelling Fox or uh, CNN's fake news, which I thought was hilarious. And my hate of the day, MSNBC actually having the balls to say this is not an echo chamber. I challenge anybody to watch CNN NBC, PBS, it doesn't fucking matter what it is. If they have multiple shows, it's an echo chamber. It's whatever opinion they have. Fox is all conservative. MSDNC is all liberal lib. They cover the same stuff. They say the same things. CNN pulls out the same fucking people for every fucking show. Come on, bro. Another one, Representative Maxine Waters speaks truth to power directly and aggressively without apology. The whole world. She doesn't even have passively familiar acquaintance with the term <laughs> truth. <laughs> She's only passed three bills in 27 years. How's that speaking truth to power? And I thought that was fucking spread. Oh, my God. Mm, that's awesome. Alex Seitzwald asked about her Halloween costume. Hillary Clinton says she'll go as the president. Stephen Miller brings some hate down. I stand by my theory that Gam Gam thinks she won, and like most seniors, no one close to her has the heart to break it to her. It's the only thing keeping her going. Let her have this. <laughs> if it wasn't that, it was, who bought her the Donald Trump mask? <laughs> Uh, then there was this one. Linda Sossauer. This is a tweet. I am official. Democratic Socialists of America membership. Yeah. That's where they're going, folks. That's the base. Somebody shot back. I officially purchased a, C a seven CD clip art pack. <laughs> Socialists far and wide screech autistically about how they don't want free stuff, yet mass famine seems to be worth a free card to some people. <laughs> no. Then, if that's not bad enough, this woman's bullshit had a women's convention. And once again, if the women's march was about all women like my wife, a white cis normative against abortion pro-life person i wouldn't even disparage the women's march but it's formed by terrorists literally and they hate cis normative people and they hate people that are pro-life you say well they just talk about cis normative it's important to look at people of color or women of color tony well when you have your convention which they did 
inside the most popular panel at the women's convention, confronting white womenhood. Now, I could read all this. I'm not going to. But I just think it's hilarious because, folks, this is a bunch of white women talking about how horrible white women are. Here's an actual, uh, I don't, I guess it's an email. For centuries, violence has been done the name of and even physically enacted by white women. While all people are welcome to attend, this workshop is designed for white women committed to being part of an intersectional feminist movement to unpack the ways white women uphold and benefit from white supremacy. The workshop will include personal story sharing, vulnerable discussions about complicity, and empower attendees to disrupt white supremacy from within their own communities. Heather Marie Scholl. Women were actually saying, so excited to learn and absorb this session. She's white. Another one, this Golan lady. Yesterday, Confronting White Women panel was in such high demand that we ran it again today. So much love for my co-panelists, Therist and Rihanna Child of Ohio's Women's March. Courageous conversation, Linda Sarsara said. Thank you for your leadership love. You are my sister. Because you're not white. R. Scott sums it up. Everything is about race with this one. Everything is about race. Taking to taking half key seriously. It's a woman. Confronting white women. Leftists conduct another two-minute hate against white people session. I, 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 what? 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 Do you know any white supremacist women? I, I don't know any. Do you see a lot of women going around and talk? You know, in my lifetime, I've seen my wife assaulted physically by two black women. I've never seen a white woman attack somebody of color. So they're complicit because they have white babies? Is that what we're saying? Went to the abortion section. At the same time, you're saying we need to, confl- we need to confront white women, you might want to do the white women at Planned Parenthood because they're killing a shit ton of brown babies, folks. Their goal is to do that. Their goal is so bad that even the black Planned Parenthood women bullshit said it's safer to kill your baby than to carry it to term. That That's an actual tweet. I didn't make that up. Yeah. Okay. What the fuck? Then uh, John Favreau and his wife dressed up like Jared and Ivana Ivanka Kushner for Halloween in handcuffs. That's another hate tweet I saw. Stay classy, Dems. Sally Cohen, if we didn't have the Women's March, I honestly don't know where we'd be as a nation psychologically. She's quoting Linda Sasser from State of the Resistance podcast. Don't worry. You won't have to listen to it. I will. And I will do a nice little segment on that coming up. Oh, yeah, baby. That's going to be about as fun as getting my teeth filed down with the belt sander. Lena Dunham. Holy shit. Jamel Hill following me is like finding out definitively that God is here. And she reads your blog. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's an actual thing. That's a fucking actual thing, my friends. And, and it, it hurts my spleen. 
It just hurts my spleen. But we close our hate treat, tort, hate treat, and we'll go into hypocrisy of the day before we go out to a bumper. Bumper. Well, we'll do stats before we do a bumper. The 12 Hillary Clinton tweets that have aged terribly. Now, once again, it's not, I'm putting hate down. Somebody made this and that's their hate towards Hillary. Number one, Trump faces possible investigation. Trump gives money to AG. Investigation never happens. A pay-to-play lecture in Justice Department finger pointing from Hillary Clinton, whose husband met with the AG on an airport tarmac while she was under investigation. It doesn't get more ironic than that and, and has gotten even more wonk-worthy since. Yeah, that, she actually had the balls to tweet that. Number 11. As Harry rediscovered about playing the same game with Mitt Romney, doesn't make the claim if he could end up being easily disproven. We know that America is big-hearted, not small-minded. We want to lift people up, not tear each other down. About half the people he wants to deport, they paid more taxes than Donald Trump has paid. That kind of backfired when um, the, his tax return came back and uh, the people he wants to deport aren't paying taxes, Madam Secretary. They're paying sales taxes, but they can't legally work. Number 10, in a new interview, POTUS talks about why Hillary is everything it takes to be president. Set aside personal agenda to make sure that we actually are. She hasn't set down anything. Nine, instead of pitting people against each other, we need to enlist everyone in building our country together. She tweeted that on June 22nd, 2016. Then she called half the nation deplorable. Number eight, Harvey Weinstein. Every survival of sexual assault deserves to be heard, believed, and supported. Of course, if you remember on this show, we just shredded her for that. Seven and six, the children's health program wouldn't be in existence today if we didn't have Hillary pushing for it. That actually wasn't a program. SCOTUS decision is a victory for women in Texas and across America. Safe abortions should be right, not just on paper, but in reality. Wow. For the children, right? Mm. Yeah. This wasn't an anomaly for Trump. His economic plan helps millionaires and hurts middle class families. He let Wall Street run wild again. Trump prioritizing his own gain over Americans' well-being isn't new, but it is telling. The only person he'll fight for is himself. Yeah, that's not sitting too well, chick. Number four, vice for Trump last year was something else coming from Bleachbit 2016 Customer of the Year. Delete your account. She tweeted that to Trump. To show her self-awareness, number three, with just eight days left, this can't wait. Retweet if you agree. Trump should immediately disclose all his ties and connection to Russia. (laughs) Number two, to show she really didn't expect to lose. Racism and sexism and bigotry have no place in our country. Elizabeth for Missouri or Massachusetts. Donald Trump refused to say that he respect the results of this election. What he's saying is a direct threat to our democracy. 
Just let that sit, resistance member. All you people that loved Hillary, let, let, let that sit. She's a direct threat to democracy now. And their number one is happy birthday to the future president. They were so ballsy, they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah! Jesus fucking Christ. To the hypocrisy. Hypocrisy! You know, um, I love the song Invisible by U2, which is really about making um, unseen people seen. I'm more than you know, I'm more than you see, I'm not invisible. She says it's the way she felt when she didn't feel powerful enough to speak out publicly even as actresses were talking privately about the same experience with Harvey. Then, in 1999, she says, Weinstein said something to her across a table. Remember that little agreement we made? Think I've got that script for you. Hey, just looking around for the material. And then I saw him, and Barbara Walters was right here, and he was across from me at a table, and I had just reached the up with which I could not put. I had come into my own, I had come into my power, I had found my voice, and I was coming right at him, Diane. And he across looked at table. me across the table. And he looked at me and he said, you know, Ashley, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you out of that little agreement we made. And I said, You do that, Harvey, you do that. And he has spat my name at me ever since. Cut a wide berth. She later made two movies at his studio. It says she doesn't remember his being a big presence on the set. And in the last three weeks, Weinstein has given that statement to the New York Times and others, saying he didn't retaliate against anyone. And again, any sex was consensual. He might very well believe that. He said the rules in the 60s and 70s were different and that he will try to be better. Trying is lying. Yes, he said a year from now I'm going to reach out to her. Are you going to meet with him? I have no idea. I believe that there is hope and help for everyone. It has to be the appropriate help, and there has to be a real profound understanding on the part of the sexual predator that what they were doing was wrong and criminal. Should he go to jail? Uh, if he's a rapist, he absolutely should go to jail. Yes. What would you say to Harvey Weinstein today? Her answer surprised us. But she wants to make it clear she'll never forgive what he did to women. But something else comes from her deep faith. When I spoke at the United Nations on the modern slave trade, I said my prayers beforehand. I said my prayers before I did this. I actually prayed last week and I said, Dear God, in case I forget to pray, please let this be the prayer. <laughs> you know, and what I would say to Harvey is, I love you and I understand that you are sick and suffering. And there is help for a guy like you, too. 
and it's entirely up to you to get that help. It's going to surprise a lot of people. It's just who I am, you know. It's, it's frankly, it's an easier way to roll through the world than the alternative. And she says only if men and women work together can we change all this for good. What is your bracelet? Unstoppable. Unstoppable. You think this is the moment? This is the moment. And if we want it to be the moment, it for sure will be the moment. I usually start with media bashes, but I had to do Ashley Judd because you know, deep faith, all the bullshit. She puts out more hate on her fucking Twitter feed than I could actually shake a stick at. And secondly, you sat on that. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to blame the victim. But you attacked Donald Trump for locker room talk. And so you could keep your job. You didn't say anything. Really. You're a fucking hypocrite. Cheryl Axton brought us some more. Justice Department settles lawsuit over the IRS targeting a conservative group. Incredible that this happened in the first place in the USA. Use of government agency to go after political foes. Yeah. This one was once again that money stuff where the DOJ was only giving money to Democrats. Plus the Tea Party suits. So now they've settled everything. But I want you all to remember, all you resistance people that actually truly believe that Obama was scandal-free and he did nothing wrong. You can't have a leg to stand on when you allow yourself to have 501Cs be political entities like Planned Parenthood. And you don't let the right do it. If you don't want shady organizations with tax-free exemptions, like you don't like churches having it because you all hate God, well, then you can't have them either. It's not how America works. New York Times, nearly 200 women, which goes into our Ashley Judd, have signed a letter denouncing a culture of rampant sexual misconduct in the Sacramento government. Last time I checked... That's a Democrat-run state. Completely. 100% liberal. Want to secede. Really. Neil deGrasse Tyson has been accused of sexual harassment. I saw one today. There's three more actors been accused of sexual harassment. But the biggest is Kevin Spacey. Now, I, I gotta spend some time to talk about this one because here's his statement. I have a lot of respect and admiration for Anthony Rapp, the actor. I'm beyond horrified to hear this story. I honestly don't remember the encounter. I would have been over 30 years ago, but if I did behave, then as he described, I owe him the sincerest apology for what would have been deeply inappropriate, drunken behavior. And I'm sorry for the feelings he describes I've carried with him all these years. This story has encouraged me to address other things about my life. I know that there's been stories out there about me and that some have been fueled by the fact that I have been so protective of my privacy as these closest to me know, as those closest to me know, in my life I have had relationships with both men and women. I have loved and had romantic encounters with men throughout my life and I choose now to live as I'm gay, man. I want to deal with this honestly and openly and start with examining my own behavior. (laughs) 
and it worked. It worked. So I want everybody to understand when you go forward from now on and you get caught doing something sexual or you get accused of it at work or you get a speeding ticket. First thing you say, I'm gay. I'm coming out. I'm gay. And that's like a magic cloak. You're good to go. The dude that came out was attacked mercilessly. So you go to a party at a guy's apartment by yourself, laying in his bed until everyone's gone, he comes in drunk, and you're shocked about that? Congrats on starting this witch hunt against Kevin Spacey. Accept his apology. Go on with your life. Happened 30 years ago. This goes on for thousands of tweets. Because of all things, I would have bet a paycheck this would never happen. MRC and Netflix have decided to suspend production on House of Cards Season 6 until further notice to give us time to review the current situation and address my concerns over our cast and crew. Netflix did the right thing. They're the only people out here that did the right thing. And then the poor bastard got more shit. People lose their job because you you decide to cry about some shit that happened 30 years ago, but let's hope you're happy. Nice job, nice job getting House of Cards canceled. Just because no one likes Star Trek doesn't mean you can accuse Spacey of coming on to you. And you think I'm full of shit? Here are the headlines. While coming out is often met with support, the response was far different for Kevin Spacey. That's a fucking headline. In the New York Times. I choose now to live as a gay man. Kevin Spacey comes out in emotional tweet. That's how ABC handled it. And it goes again to the hypocrisy of the left. I play it cool, you're an asshole, or you're a mother flubber. I'm not going to play it. The fact of the matter is, if you're a liberal advocate, you can go hump a rhinoceros, kill a kid, be a pedo like this guy was, and for some reason that's okay, because you're on the same team. But anybody else who isn't one of your ilk, Let a conservative say to one of the Trump people, it was 30 years ago, get over it. For like the lady who came out right when he's about to get elected and says she was groped on a plane but never filed suit, has no proof, no witnesses, and then she just went away like it never happened. Okay. Not that I'm blaming the assault victim, but it was too staged, folks. That's why America didn't buy it. But let somebody have done that. That would have been front page news. Blame the victim. Blame the victim. If you think I'm full of shit, go to that, oh, what the frick's his name, because I'm still so fucking shocked by this. I don't remember his name. His name is uh, Anthony Rapp. Go look at his Twitter feed. It is just atrocious. It goes back and proves what I've been saying for fucking two years on this show. The left is full of shit. They don't care about black people. They don't care about gays. They don't care about anything. They're using you as a pawn. It's no different than when the conservatives get up there and say, not over my dead body about guns, and then they go out and pass laws and ban shit, or they talk about terrorism and all that shit like Bush did, and I criticized there's a terrorist in your toilet. If you don't vote for me, your whole family's going to die. They're just a pawn. You're just a pawn. They don't care. 
Now, Matt Talibi and Mark Ames bragged about sexual assault on women. Same people. Reporters. Tack Trump. Halprin, they, he's been dogging conservatives for fucking decades. Masturbated in front of women. Literally jerked off and threw fucking women against the wall. That's some fucking power jerk there, dude. Seriously. Then CNN to get off this subject because I'm fucking angry now. Reliving the day Hillary Clinton says cost her election one year later. The Comey second letter. They did a whole symposium on him. They were weeping. Newsweek cover. Why are all loudmouth conservatives Irish? That's an actual story. Let me write an article, put it in the Federalist. Why are all Muslims terrorists? See how far that goes. Chicago Tribune. People using Anthem wrong way because it doesn't belong at a sporting event. They go on and said, if we didn't put the Anthem where it doesn't belong, maybe people wouldn't use it in the wrong way. Yeah, let's, let's not talk about what they're doing. Let's not talk about that. No. AP Stylebook. New definition of Islamist. I, I only put this in here really quick because I, I tried to look up Islamist the other day. I was watching a show. You couldn't Google it. It literally was telling you that that's not the right thing. That's not even to be used for terrorists. And that's where this comes from. The Stylebook says Islamist uh, the old definition read, supporters of government in accord with the Islam law, those who view the Quran as a political model encompass a wide range of Muslims from mainstream politicians to military militants known as jihadi. While the new version reads a bit longer and not unlike the immigration change request, reporters take the time to offer more detail. An advocate or supporter of a political movement that factors reordering government and society in accordance with laws prescribed by Islam. Do not use as a synonym for Islamic fighters, militants, extremists, radicals, or who may or may not be Islamists. Even though there's not a shitload of other sects that blow shit up, but whatever. So, that's why it's hard to find now on Google. Because that's a new liberal thing. But I want you to think about this just for a second, boys and girls. Think about this. A Zionist is evil in the media. It's evil on the left. And that is a person that wants a Jewish state. That is an evil connotation. They have now said, because they're so fucking hunkered up trying to protect Islam, that they fight that fight before they even think, hey, a motherfucker jumped out of a car and shot a bunch of fucking people in New York City, like Joey Reid did. That Islamist is a good term. That means, oh, they just want to Islamic. They just want to go by Sharia law. No, oh, don't worry about the stoning. Don't worry about the honor killings. Don't worry about women getting their genitals mutilated. Don't worry about women can't even cover themselves. They can't drive. They can't have a fucking life. Don't look at that. Hey, fuck you if you point out that gays are thrown off a fucking roof and killed in Islamic states. Or they go to jail for having gay sex. Ignore all that. What the left does is they make the worst things awesome. The worst things ever. 
as we'll go into abortion thing in a second, they made abortion a right. It is a woman's right to choose to kill a baby. They have cloaked that in a fucking fancy name. And now the media and everybody, oh man, it's a woman's right to choose. Interesting concept. And our last hypocrisy, and then we'll just go on the stats of the day and get to music break. Today's show, we covered Halloween and we talked about all the cultural appropriation, how fucking evil that is, and everybody don't fucking dress like a cowboy or anything. Yeah, the entire Today's show dressed up as country music stars. Megan Kelly even did a Shania Twain craziness, which was just dreadful. That's cultural appropriation too, folks. I'm just throwing it out there. So, stats of the day, Obama campaign paid $972,000 to law firm that secretly paid Fusion GPS in 2016. Just, just want that fact to get out there. You're not gonna, you're not gonna see it anywhere else. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Not gonna happen. ESPN heading for more painful layoffs. 40 to 60 or more people will be getting laid off. In line with that, due to the huge plunge of 25% in ratings and everything, ESPN can't afford to renew their frickin' $2 billion a year, folks. Monday Night Football rights. Papa John came out and said they need to cut this shit because now it's affecting pizza delivery. It's affecting merchandise. It's affecting everything. But we're still jerking off over this. Somewhere lost in, never talked about in the media. You know, we hate Columbus. Well, Teddy Roosevelt got fucking attacked in the Museum of Natural History. Because now Teddy Roosevelt's a motherfucker too. Red paint. The Russian flag incident that I'm not playing or talking about, but I think I might have thrown it in hypocrisy. Protesters who threw Russian flags at Trump was on Capitol Hill watch list. Here's the worst thing that you need to know. He was with reporters. Reporters let him get in there. That's the stat. That's the money shot. Reporters knew he didn't belong there, but they let him get in there. And they knew he had Russian flags. So all you fuckers out there, and yeah, I just called you a fucker who actually believes the media is not liberal. Shut your freaking yapper. Other stats, Geostorm is a fucking flop. Tanked at the box office. This goes into about every freaking one that's on. Um, that subject is just dying. Just dying, man. It's not going anywhere. At all. Um, they even liken it back to when they had all the freaking anti-Bush shit. All that shit tanked. Nobody went and saw it. So, it's just not me being a jackass. I, I knew when I went in that it was going to be a bunch of global warming shit. I didn't give a fuck. I was happy. I wanted to go see it. But it sucked. It sucked big time. So... We're going to have a music break. Um, I'm going to play a weird bumper, but this is for uh, family members that listen to the show. I, I am a freak at Christmas. All right. I, I love Christmas. Um, my podcast will start moderating, and I'll be less fuckers, I guess, as my wife calls it. You might, might want to tone down the fuckers, honey. Um, 
I will be a lot softer. We'll do a lot of fun subjects on a Friday. We'll have a political and a, and a Friday one that's less, you know, p- politics. But I love a channel on Sirius XM. It's called Holiday Traditions. Um, I became addicted to it years ago when I first, well, about 2004, I got my first uh, Sirius radio. Christmas 2003, excuse me. My wife bought me a portable, and I just loved it. And I fell in love with the channel. Well, as the years go on, they don't keep it on online all year round. They have that stupid Holly channel. And for those who don't have series, they have multiple Christmas channels. But the Holly's like a pop one with a lot of Mariah Carey, and it really hurts your pancreas. So this one is the old stuff. And so I and about another 30,000 people wrote emails saying, why can't we keep it all year long? And then they kept it all year long. But then they would roll this channel out late every year, play it for maybe the 18th of November to like the 29th of December so they can make way for stupid New Year's channels. So this year, they rolled it out this very day at 12 Eastern. And I have heard it shut off three times because I didn't sleep a lot. I would actually uh, have insomnia when I was on the road well before I started this podcast. Well, today I got the turn on. And so I'm going to play that. It's a neat little Christmas thing. I'm trying to get you in the Christmas mood. You'll hear the beginning of White Christmas, which will cut off because I'm actually filming with the phone. And then on our second break, we'll play White Christmas. And then we'll go into a very, very serious subject. You're going to hear Hollywood as we go in praise the case that allowed an illegal immigrant to have an abortion in our country. Because Mexico actually has more morals than we do, which is pretty scary, if you think about it. We're supposed to be the freest country in the world. That's not a xenophobic statement. That's just a reality. We're supposed to like stand up for everybody. But as we'll see, we don't stand up for babies in this country at all.
Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Last week, Jane Doe received a pre-abortion sonogram required by Texas state law. I spoke with her that day exclusively about what it means to be at the center of a national debate. When did you decide to have the abortion? Yeah, that's um, that's bull crap for many reasons. We sh- we should never be the ones that do that. Okay, we should not be the ones that do that. And I, I once again want to submit to you: the Constitution and our forefathers did not say that these rights are inalienable for everybody. You have to be a citizen. They never imagined what we've done to our immigration system. Just let anybody come in here. But for some reason, it's okay. And it was an unabashed celebration. Um, this is literally some of the stuff. Callie Boosman reading Jane Doe's statement and crying. What a brave young woman and what a horrible fucking world. Renee Bracy Sherman. I am so glad Jane got her abortion. It took way too long and she had to fight way too hard. Thank you for your bravery, Jane. Bravery. Laura Rankin. Everyone, regardless of geography or immigrant status, has a fundamental right to safe abortion care. Justice for Jane is justice for all. Maureen Shaw, finally, justice for Jane. Daniel Campoporman, uh, she just says it. She has decisions of her own body. Um, one Jane Doe at a time, every single dead day. <laughs> dead is what it really means. Comedian Liz Winston, uh, thanks to the ACLU Jane Doe process, and the provider who gave JD care today, I'm grateful for your dedication to humanity. Actress Piper Perabo, Joan Going, and Alyssa Milano all were so excited. Milano Renee Sofer, the bold and the beautiful, added finally some good news. Another tweet she praised. Yes, victory, justice for Jane. Brooke Smith from Silence of the Lamb, the hashtag as well. And thank you tweet to New York State Attorney General Eric Schneiderman for supporting Jane's abortion. Uh, Constant Marie. This woman's right are human rights. Yeah, this is, this is what they think. This is what they, they think. And I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how you morally believe that's a right. When you have this, I'm going to play him back to back. It's going to be a long soundbite, but I challenge you to listen to it. This is Stem Cell Express. This is a video they didn't want you to hear about from a lady who actually worked there. And after that, you're going to listen to a doctor talk about a second trimester abortion. Understand. 
the left had their way, we would have third trimester abortions. Unlimited. Unfettered. They cloak it in rape and incest. Which I don't know why somebody would wait nine months, but okay. Listen to the facts. And on the other side, I'm going to inundate you with more facts that they don't want you to know. An interview with a woman who used to work for a company that bought fetal tissues from Planned Parenthood. The harder and the more valuable the tissue, the more money you get. I thought I was going to be just drawing blood not procuring tissue from aborted fetuses. The new video also contains the testimonial of a woman who says she was hired by STEM Express to work inside a Planned Parenthood clinic procuring fetal body parts. They partner with Planned Parenthood and they get part of the money. They get paid from it. They do get some kind of benefit. Oh, well, you know, we didn't, we were just doing donations. We never made any profit off of it. Planned Parenthood and Cecile Richards on the, on the partnership with STEM Express. Well, you got to consider why are biotech companies like STEM Express hiring people? Where are they getting their money? Because, you know, they're not going to just hire me if they're getting donated organs and tissues from Planned Parenthood. There has to be money coming in. There has to be profit coming in. She wasn't told before she arrived on site what she would be doing and fainted on her very first day. If you could impart one message to viewers who see, who have watched these videos, what's the one thing that you want them to walk away with? The videos are true, and I wouldn't be putting myself out and, and speaking if they weren't true. This is my testimony. The people will decide. So I went, uh, she told me to meet the Concord Clinic around like 6 or 7. For your first day at STEM Express, you're going to be drawing blood. Come to the Planned Parenthood in Concord, California at like. They didn't say it was going to be drawing blood. They didn't tell me anything. Oh, about they, they just said, they show, just said up. show up. First day of work, just, just be show there. up. Okay. So I pull in the parking lot. No one's there. And Clarissa pulls up and she takes out her. We have little STEM Express rolly bags mm-hmm. where you put the supplies. So she pulls mm-hmm. that out and there's, you know, one nurse lets us in and everything seemed normal. It's just like a little medical center. There's the lab, and then they have a little tiny path lab. I see out of the corner of my eye. And what's a path lab? By path the way, lab is that? where they... It's short uh, for pathology laboratory, pathology right? Lab, mm-hmm. uh, where they have, uh, they bring the POC, which is uh, the product of, conception, product of conception, after the abortion procedure is done. Right. The, what they do is they have the jars, or they have the clear pie dishes where they have to make sure that... Uh, all limbs and the head are mm-hmm. within the POC to make sure that the woman doesn't get sick. Right. Because it can potentially really harm. If a body part was left it's, inside it's the left. patient yes, after that the can abortion, make very they sick. get all of it out. So the doctor right. has to okay it. Clarissa mm-hmm. took me. She's like, call okay, come over here. Mm-hmm. And she, so she hasn't told you anything. She she's giving you no instructions not, yet of what's going to happen just, this day. I just followed her. And she took me into the past lab, and she starts putting gloves on. And I'm a little bit shocked because I just see a pie dish with all this blood in it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to stay calm because I don't know what was going on. Yeah. And I didn't want to act weird. It was my first day and right. I didn't want to lose a new job. So I just tried to be really relaxed and she t- put the gloves on and she took the, the instrument, the tweezers, and she starts going and fishing around. Fishing around in the pie dish. In, in the pie dish. Of... And she's trying to show me parts. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I think I was in such a state of shock and trying to relax at the same time. I didn't, it didn't really feel real. Yeah. And she, she's showing me parts of, you know, this is a leg, this is an arm. And then she says, put some gloves on. So I put the gloves on. She hands me the tweezers. She goes, oh, can, can you show me some of the parts that I just showed you? I said, yeah. And I put the tweezers in. And I put on one of the limbs. And I've never felt this in my life. I felt the pain radiate through my hand. You can feel the death go up through, you know, was something was just alive. And mm -hmm. I grabbed it and I felt that. I started to get woozy. And I said, this is a... And I stopped and she's like, are you okay? And next thing I know, I woke up in the recovery room. Mm -hmm. I had blacked out or... And one of the nurses was there and she's like, oh, you're awake now? You okay? I said, what happened? She said, you, you passed out when you saw the, the POC, the, the, the remains. I said, oh, I'm so embarrassed. She said, oh, don't worry. You know, it, honestly, some of us never get over it. My name is Dr. Anthony Levitino. I'm a practicing obstetrician gynecologist, and I've performed over 1,200 abortions. Today I'm going to describe a second trimester surgical abortion called dilatation and evacuation, or D&E. A D&E is performed between 13 and 24 weeks of pregnancy. After administering anesthesia, the abortionist uses a weighted speculum, like this one, that opens the vagina widely. Because second trimester babies are so large, this greater access facilitates a late-term abortion. Late-term abortion requires that the cervix be prepared 24 to 48 hours in advance with laminaria. Laminaria is a type of sterilized seaweed that absorbs water over 8 to 12 hours and swells to several times its original diameter. Once removed, metal dilators can be used to further open the cervix as needed. Once the cervix has been stretched open, the suction tube is placed inside. A baby at 20 weeks gestation is as big as the length of my hand, from head to rump, not counting the legs. The suction machine is turned on, and pale yellow amniotic fluid surrounding the baby is suctioned out through the catheters. With babies this big, they don't fit through catheters this size. The baby's bones and skull are too strong to be torn apart by suction alone. This is a sofa clamp. A sofa clamp is made of stainless steel. It's about 13 inches long. The business end is about two and a half inches long and a half inch wide, and there are rows of sharp teeth. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. The abortionist uses this clamp to grasp an arm or leg. Once he has a firm grip, the abortionist pulls hard in order to tear the limb from the baby's body. One by one, the rest of the limbs are removed, along with the intestines, the spine, and the heart and lungs. Usually the most difficult part of the procedure is extracting the baby's head, which is about the size of a large plum at 20 weeks. The head is grasped and crushed. The abortionist knows he has crushed the skull when a white substance comes out of the cervix. This was the baby's brains. The abortionist then removes skull pieces. He removes the placenta. First time I ever saw that was about a year ago. And I knew that's how they did abortions. But at that time, I just thought, you know, that's any way you kill a baby, you're killing a baby. I want you to understand, babies at 22, 23, 24 weeks live. Not, not all the time. But they live. They live. 
That's what we've called as a nation women's reproductive rights. The right to choose. We've wrapped it in nice little colloquials. We fight constantly about taking a living organism and sucking it through razor blades, basically. But that's what we're talking about. Planned Parenthood's been very busy lately. They found some article, something about trying to be more religious with the rhythm method that people can't afford birth control or what have you. And they said, you know what we call people that use the rhythm method? We call them parents, like parents are a bad thing. Ben Shapiro shoots back, you know what we call people kill babies? Planned Parenthood. Then they run things like this, because remember, it's intersectionality. Steffi Bedanes. The United States accessing a gun is easier than accessing an abortion. Scary stats. It's a big thing. They had scary stats all day on Halloween. Because there's never a holiday. There's never a moment you don't push killing babies on people. That That's the new 2017. That's what progressivism is. Liars never win, said scary, stupid, Matt Slam. Going to need some evidence there. Somebody else. Accessing gun, as in purchasing one legally, as guaranteed by the Second, guaranteed by the second Amendment. We ask because whenever Planned Parent frets about access to birth control, the issue is who pays it, not its availability. Resistance futile. Welcome to Twitter where the scary stats are made up and nobody cares. Pam Brewer. I really hate it when someone tries to tweet the dumbest tweet of the day. Stupidly, like it just makes me weep for my species. Translation goat. Hashtag translation. I make shit up. But my readers believe it because they're idiots. Because she's a reporter. October 30th, 2 to 5 p.m. Scary stats from police violence to the wage gap to abortion access. The facts are truly scary, but we can change that together. Share the scary stats people should know on how they can make a difference. That was from Planned Parenthood. You know what sends chill down our spines? Laws that block women from accessing health care. Join us today at 2 p.m. If extreme politicians defund Planned Parenthood, 2.4 million patients could lose access to health care. What health care do you provide, Planned Parenthood? Don't do mammograms. You treat STDs and do abortions. You don't even refer people for adoption. You're just about abortions. Heritage Foundation started the fight back. Hashtag scary stats. Only seven of 109 countries allow elective abortions after five months. I'm sorry, seven of 190 countries. Think of that. Seven of 190 countries in the world give you abortions after five months. The USA, North Korea, Vietnam, China, Singapore, and the only two that would be called good countries is Canada Canada and the Netherlands. Sick and sad as well, he said, whoever tweeted that, from the Heritage Foundation. Think about that. Only seven countries in the world left it, let it go. Let it happen. Federalist musket, Iceland aborts one 100,000% of children with Down syndrome. 
100%. He closes with the left, celebrates it. Then this stat, which is also scary, which is why I shouted in the mic about how Democrats really don't care about people of color. 35% of aborted babies are black. 25% are Hispanic. That is, last time I did math, 60% of all abortions are people of color. In 2016, PPF aborted 900 babies a day and referred only 289, 2,889. That is 0.879%. That's all they did. A doctor, 90% of babies diagnosed with Down syndrome are aborted, yet 99% living with Down syndrome are happy. Susan B. Anthony List. You want to talk about scary stats, Planned Parenthood? Okay, let's do that. In New York City, home of Planned Parenthood, more black babies are aborted than are born alive. To which PP Black Community tweeted, If you're a black woman in America, it's statistically safer to have an abortion than to care a pregnancy to term or give birth. Poltergeist math. Abortion mortality rates for black women are three times higher than for white women after 18 weeks. It's eight times higher. Abortion mortality. They just made it up. It's not even a real stat. But you just said what these people say. Kira, it's definitely not safer for the baby. Shorter, PP black community. Killing your black baby is better than having your black baby. So in other words, you're saying black people should reproduce. Great message not. Should not reproduce. Great message. Planned Parenthood to African Americans. Kill yourself. Mark Hemingway. Well, I never thought Planned Parent would concede their founding mission was keeping black babies from being born, but here we are. Liz Wheeler. Sounds to me like Planned Parenthood's telling black women not to have babies. Funny. That was Margaret Sager's goal. They tweeted it. Planned Parenthood retweeted it. All the abortion advocates in fucking Hollywood tweeted that stat. They're telling people of color it's better to kill your baby than to carry it. That's what they just said. They're probably linking it to the murder rate in Chicago that nobody on the Democratic side wants to actually fix. Okay. Susan B. Anthony List continues, Fetal surgeons treat unborn babies as young as 16 weeks post-fertilization and use pain medication. They go in the womb and give the baby pain medication. They, they don't not do it. Susan B. Anthony lists, the U.S. is one of only seven who allow five-month, post-five-month abortions. Susan B. Anthony lists, Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the United States, performing 35.5% of all abortions. 
They then tweeted in 2016, Planned Parenthood ended the lives of 328,348 Americans before they took their first breath. Unlike Planned Parenthood, understand, they tweeted actual links to it. So they didn't make it up. They're, they're tweeting it with a link. So you can see it. And it's from a sbalist.org newsroom. Another tweet, Planned Parenthood, nation's largest abortion business, received $554 million tax dollars last year. Breakdown of Planned Parenthood's pregnancy services, abortions, 94%, adoption referrals, 0.6% by their numbers. But even if you give them 0.8, wow. And we're not even talking the 776,000 illegal, federally funded emergency contraception kit, which is another colloquial for the morning after pill. We're not even talking about that, folks. You and I are paying for that. We pay for it. We pay for those aborted babies through chemicals. Obanagachu Ikachua, which I never say her name right. From international Planned Parenthood data, every 30 seconds the organization ends the life of an unborn baby somewhere in the world. Planned Parenthood alone aborts 1,094,679 babies per year. 2,999 of them per day, 124 per hour, two per minute, and one every 30 seconds. Yeah. While I did it, just this up to this point, we've aborted 20 babies at Planned Parenthood. It's shocking. Because remember, it is linked under women's reproductive rights. And then I stumbled across this. www.numberofabortions.com N-U-M-B-E-R O-F-A-B-O-R-T-I-O-N-S dot com. Number of abortions, abortion counter. Each real-time abortion counter is based on the most current statistics for the number of abortions in the U.S. and the number of abortions worldwide. In the United States today, 1,672.1 babies. Since Roe versus Wade... Roe versus Wade, 59,889,577 abortions, point two, and it's going up. By Planned Parenthood since 1970, 7,879,965 and ticking This year alone, Planned Parenthood, to date, which we won't have these statistics till next summer, 
270,614. We've had 770,583.2 and counting abortions in the United States this year. After 16 weeks, 37,132. Due to rape, 7,500. If you take rape and incest out, rape and incest, we're at 266 or 766,000. Black babies since 1973, 17,966,873. Worldwide this year, 33,809,000. Nine three hundred and sixty one, sixty two, sixty four, sixty five. Worldwide, since I loaded the page, one hundred eighty six. Worldwide today, seventy two thousand. Worldwide since nineteen eighty, one trillion four hundred and seventy three million four hundred and nine thousand. 346, 47, 48, 49, 51, 52. We're at 216, 218 since I loaded the page. 222 and counting. Yeah, that's, that's the facts. That's the facts. We're not even going into the reality that as a nation, we, we're not for abortion like the left is. We believe it should be legal, should be safe and rare. We don't want to pay for it and we don't believe it should happen after 22 weeks. We don't believe that as a nation. The numbers aren't there. That's why they don't talk about it. That's why the media doesn't show you those stats. I broke them out too many times. But I'm going to play a soundbite. And this is a man with Down syndrome. If the left had it their way, if he was a black man with Down syndrome, they'd want him dead even more. But his name is Frank Stevens, speaking to Congress. People like this are supposed to die, they say. And I think you should listen to it. I really think you should. This is my third show on abortion. I have been pro-choice for as long as I can remember. But as I watch these stats, it's just too horrible not to face the fact. It's nothing but a push for political power by a cult of progressives. They've killed trillions of babies worldwide because people can't be responsible. That's all it's about. If Planned Parenthood did their job and Obamacare worked and provided this free so so needed free birth control. Why did 1,096,000 babies get aborted last year? 
in the United States, just in Planned Parenthood, between the 328,000 they aborted and the 776,000 they gave morning after pills to under the colloquial emergency contraceptive kits. Really? If Dems really care to people of color, why do they allow 60% of people of color babies to be in the abortion stats? Why do they say things like it's statistically safer to abort your baby than carry it? And I have to honestly say for the first time, after composing this segment, which is brief, it's not like the one where I actually broke out all the segments. I am pro-life as of today. The more I read of the ghouls over at Planned Parenthood, you've changed a pro-choice person to be pro-life. Now, I'm not going to go out with signs and show hacked up babies, which I think is horrible. But I'm not pro-choice anymore. And I do believe someday I will write my congressman on this shit. I will start getting active and protest against it. I actually visualized while I was reading this shit and listening to that doctor speak about sucking a baby and crushing its skull. I could see myself at a pro-life march for the first time in my entire life. Because you're ghouls. You pray... And if I was doing intersexuality, intersectionality like the left, I would be saying, you're just like Harvey Weinstein. You're preying on young women. But I'll say it as a normal person. You prey on young women. You get their money. You push them to have an abortion. We played too many sound bites on here of women told you can just fucking leave. And while they're in the stirrups and they're sedated, you get more money off them that they have to somehow miraculously come up with. But yet, I guaranteed somebody paid for Jane Doe for the politics and the optics of it. But how many young African-American women in the inner city who forgot to take their birth control, and got left with a baby, are preyed upon by Planned Parenthood and pushed to kill their baby with statements like, it's statistically safer to abort your baby than to carry it. You know, we we as a nation have gnashed teeth about Aryans and white nationalists that I've honestly said, I live in the South, I don't know where all these people are coming from, but they're there. They're horrible, but they're not the majority. They're not even in high numbers. And how horrible they are. How many African Americans have been killed by white nationalists this year? If you said one, you're a liar. The woman was white that was killed in Charlottesville. Planned Parenthood 
this year alone will kill almost 200 and some odd thousand babies. 200,000 plus babies of people of color this year. They are 60% of the 328,000 babies. They are 60% of the 1,096,000 chemical and procedural abortions they conducted in 2016. So tell me again how progressives are taking care of people of color. I mean, I'm not doing the usual conservative talk show going, you know, they started the KKK, right? But I will say that Margaret Sanger was the founder of Planned Parenthood, and she was for eugenics, and she is quoted as saying horrible things about people of color. And that was her push. It wasn't for white women. White women weren't getting abortions back then. And I want you to honestly search your soul and think as you listen to Frank Stevens speak and we go to a music break and lighten things up with Bing Crosby. Is this who we are? Only one of one of seven countries that allow you to abort your baby until it crowns? Is it really women's reproductive rights to just be able to be irresponsible and kill a baby? Is that what we're about? Is that what freedom is? And should you and I be paying for those emergency contraception kits? Because we are. It's not walled off. The wall off for the $550 million you and I play are supposed to be for screenings. The lying mammogram. And at times with unbriefed speakers for Planned Parenthood, the prenatal care that miraculously doesn't happen at any Planned Parenthood clinic. They don't want nothing to do with you if you're not with them. Unless you kill your baby. We don't want nothing to do with you. Because we want to make over a trillion dollars in profits killing, crushing and selling body parts to stem cell research or express. That's what we're about. That's what Cecil Richards about. That's what your Hollywood starlets are about. Please listen to this soundbite. In the world progressives want, he would never have left the womb. Mr. Chairman, and members of the, 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 of the, of the committee, just so there, there, there is no confusion, let me say that I, I am not a, a, a research scientist. <laughs> However, no one knows more about life with Down syndrome than, than, than I do. Whatever, whatever you learn today, please remember this. I am a man with Down syndrome and my life is worth living.
Sadly, across the world, a notion is being sold that that maybe we don't need research concerning down concerning Down syndrome. Some people say prenatal screens will identify Down syndrome in the womb and those pregnancies will just be terminated. It's hard for me to sit here and say those words. I completely I completely understand that that, that the people pushing this particular final solution are saying that that people like me should not exist. That view is deeply prejudiced by an uh, by an outdated idea of life with, with of life with Down syndrome. Seriously, I have a great life. I have I have lectured at universities, acted in an award-winning film and an Emmy-winning TV show, and spoken to thousands of young people about the value of inclusion in making America great. I have been to the White House twice, and I didn't have to jump the fence either time. <laughs> Seriously, I don't feel I should have to justify my existence. But, but to those who question the value of people with Down syndrome, I would like, you know, I would make three points. First, we, 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 are, we are a medical gift to society, a blueprint for, for, for medical research into cancer, Alzheimer's, and immune system disorders. Second, we are in an unusually powerful source of happiness. A Harvard-based study has discovered that People with Down syndrome, as well as their parents and siblings, are, are happier than society at large. Surely happiness is, is worth something. Finally, we are the, we are the canary in the, eugenics, in the eugenics coal mine. We are giving the world a chance to think about the ethics of choosing which humans get a chance at life. So we are helping to defeat cancer and Alzheimer's. 
and we make the world a happier place. Is there, is there really no place for us in the, the, in the, the, the world? Is there really no place for us in the NIH budget? On a deeply personal note, I cannot tell you how much it means to me that my extra chromosome might lead to the answer to, to Alzheimer's. It's likely that, that this, it's likely that this thief will one day steal my memories, my very life from me. This is very hard for me to say, but it has already begun to steal my mom from me. Please, think about all those people you love, the way I love my mom. Help us make this difference. If not for me and my mom, then for, then for you and the ones you love. Fund this research. Let's be America, not Iceland or Denmark. Let's pursue answers not final solutions. Let's be America. Let's make our goal to be Alzheimer's free, not Down syndrome free. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, 
Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. game on campus these days and they call it pc pc politically correct and it's not just politics it's everything it's what you eat it's what you wear and it's what you say if you don't watch yourself you can get in a buttload of trouble for instance see these girls no you don't those are women you call them girls and they'll pop your figs save the whales gays in the military now Okay, military corner. I was going to play a really good soundbite with um, the Navy the SEAL show that I watch on Channel 5. Why am I saying Channel 5? CBS. Sorry about that. Uh, CBS, where they had this awesome scene with some guy protesting, and he, he was saying, why aren't you with your brothers? He was an African-American. They were in Africa, some made-up nation. And he goes, I'm not that guy. These are my brothers. And it was like a neat just position between a protester and a soldier. And the way we look at things. But I'm soundbite heavy. I'll get off it. The Economist. America's uncritical soldier worship gives the Pentagon an advantage in the battle for federal funds. That's a real article. Matthew Carberry. Well, the love affair and that the military is one of the few actually explicitly enumerated legitimate functions of our government. That's probably a good thing, right? Well, not to the left. The writer points to this important truth. The gulf between America's armed forces and the civilians has never been greater. In 1990, 40% of young Americans had a military veteran for a parent. In 2014, only 16 do. But this dissonance has not, as the general implied, caused Americans to underappreciate the forces. To the contrary, it has encouraged, as his remarks also indicated, a highly romanticized view of the military service, which is inaccurate and counterproductive at best. 
Greg sums up. Please go fuck yourself. 22 soldiers, veterans commit suicide a day. But please tell me about the worship. Sincerely, all veterans. Go. I could play all sorts of terrible things. I'm, I'm just not. Because I love that article. Unless, unlike, unlike my veteran brethren, I love it when the left shows their true intentions and, and their true colors. They hate the military. They hate veterans. They think we're all low skill set pieces of shit, mercenaries, baby killers. That is not left. We might not have people in the street throwing shit at Vietnam vets and we're not burning down buildings and having these war protests after, uh, you know, all, uh, George Bush. But they haven't changed. To a disturbing article, Navy investigating two SEALs for strangling the death of a Green Beret. Two members of Navy's elite SEAL Team 6 will be investigated for strangling a Green Beret while he was stationed in Mali, according to reports Sunday. Navy uh, criminal investigators launched a probe into the commandos after Army Staff Sergeant Logan Melger, a veteran of two deployments to Afghanistan, was found dead. Melger's superior in Germany suspected foul play and immediately sent an investigator to the scene. The Army CID command examined the circumstances around his death and then handed it over to the naval, the NCIS, basically. Uh, soldiers in the Green Bay Brigade community have been shaken by the killing and have been left to speculate whether there was some bad blood between Melger and the SEALs, or whether he might have uncovered some illegal activity they were involved in and they executed him, the newspaper reports. Nobody will speak on it. That's pretty horrible. Additionally, with Green Beret, people are getting pissed off because the Army's talking about doing another goddamn Beret change. Uh, soldiers are required to memorize the unit's history, blah, 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 blah. An argument over the history has ignited a social media firestorm this week as the Im- images service of an olive drab beret, not the same color as a green beret, assigned to 1st Security Force Assistance Brigade, 1st SFAB. The images surfaced by SoldierSystem.net shows SFAB headgear to be uncomfortably similar to the green beret. The Army has not announced any decisions, but people saw it and they got pissed. I'm only covering it, not to cover for the green beret, which I was not. Did not have the honor or the balls to go do that. Well, I wouldn't say the balls, but just just didn't do it. Wasn't even a thing I thought about. The army just leaves the beret alone. The beret was a bad idea. You shouldn't have done the black beret. Shouldn't have taken away from the Rangers. It was the dumbest shit in the world. Leave it alone. Put them in soft caps. They don't need to be special by a hat. They need to be special for doing their fucking jobs. To the crazy, alt-left insanity, sciency liberals actually believe in witchcraft and the occult. Yeah, this is serious. Normal people might find some of this offensive, we hope, dear Lord. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Answer yes either way, and that might make you an alt-lefty. Market Watch just ran an interesting piece headlined, Why Millennials Are Ditching Religion for Witchcraft and Astrology. It didn't really tell me anything I didn't know. Young people are embracing the occult faster than you can spell it. This shouldn't be surprising. They've been getting bombarded with witches, spells, demons, vampire, and more for decades from Harry Potter and Twilight. It only makes sense that they would want to join in. Or in the words of Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Willow, they are all wannabe lesbies. 
The term even has its own urban dictionary mention. Modern feminism especially embraces the occult witchcraft over the patriarchy of traditional faiths. The Market Watch story included all sorts of depressing information, including how more than half of young adults in the U.S. believe astrology is a freaking science, compared to less than 8% of Chinese people. The psychic service industry, which includes astrology, aura reading, mediumship, tarot card reading, and palmistry. Palmistry? Is that something? Seriously? Okay. Among other metaphysical services, is now worth $2 billion. Yeah. Top liberal sites like Vice, BuzzFeed, Bustle, and even Cosmo push the occult on their young readers. Countless internet sites run horoscopes and newspapers did before them. But some outlets go a lot farther. Cosmo interviews certified astrologer John Marshelsa, who claims that Aries folks don't hold grudges. If you think about it, it takes a lot of patience to hold on to resentment. This is how you know it's garbage. I'm an Aries. Other famous Aries are Lady Gaga and Kourtney Kardashian. So I just got that going for me. Over on BuzzFeed, which pretends to be a news organization, but is a listically sweatshop, they do a ton of clickbaiting astrology. 66 Taurus celebrities that prove their astro- astrologically superior sign. Another one. What your star sign actually says about you according to science. With a 12-click stupid page. There's a cauldron on bus- bustle. What witches can teach us about fighting a back against Trump? <laughs> How I found out my grandma was a witch was another one. Red witches fighting capitalism. My brother used to say that you can nail two things together that had never been nailed together before and someone would buy it. Broadly, which is part of Vice brewed up this story. How the socialist feminists of witch use magic to fight capitalism. Apparently, witchy women have been fighting the power for decades. The first incarnation of witch, W-I-T-C-H, it's actually an organization, I guess, performed their inaugural action on Halloween in 68 in New York. Dressed in witch costumes, the activists flocked to Financial District and chanted Wall Street, Wall Street, up against the Wall Street to hex the engine of capitalism. It sure worked. The Dow was down 6,500 in the fall of 68. Hmm. In there, uh, an actually bewitching quote, the requirement to join which are simple. You must stand for anti-racism, anti-fascism, anti-patriarchy, indigenous rights, gender self-determination, women liberation, trans liberation, anti-rape culture, reproductive rights, sex worker support, LGBTQIA, cosign of four rights, environmental protection, religious freedom, immigrants' rights, anti-war, anti-capitalism, disability justice, privacy rights, and worker rights. You must also have ample free time to vote to hexing, ritual ceremonies, calling your representatives, and attending marches. The alt-left is 100% aligned with the coven next door. Yeah. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but sweet, sassy mo frassy. What the hell? This one, I was going to get a soundbite. I'm not going to, but it just freaking... Proves the old adage that Tony Reid is right. Nickelodeon pushes LGBT propaganda again. On this week's episode of The Loud House, a popular animated show on Nickelodeon, a gay couple is introduced during an episode called Overnight Success, airing on Wednesday. During the episode, a recurring character named Clyde McBride shows up at 11-year-old Lincoln Loud's house for a sleepover. Clyde is accompanied by his two gay dads. Mr. Howard McBride and Mr. Harold McBride. First married gay couple in Nickelodeon cartoon. This is amazing. Common 
white girl tweeted and so much did a bunch of other shit. Remember, Clyde, no nuts, no gluten, no sugar, and be careful with orange juice, said Harold. You know how you get with pulp. This is certainly not the first time Nickelodeon has pushed LGBT messaging being into shows. Nick Jr. previously featured transgender drag queen RuPaul in an episode of Bubby, Bubble Guppies. He voiced over Rue Pearl, a stylish sea snail, and announced for a dress-up race. Further, in December 2014, the network confirmed that their show Legend of Korra featured a lesbian romance between two lead characters. This is an animated show as well. Legend of Korra creator confirms official lesbian love. The Gay Star News. This goes beyond just Nickelodeon, of course. The rush to push LGBT messaging accelerated as of late. Disney Pixar's animated children movie, Finding Dory, for instance, shows a lesbian couple. And the eloquent and humorous world of comedian Steve Crowder left us Hollywood as gang all things. My daughter loves this show. She puts Facebook messages about it when I'm not blocked from her Facebook. But at the end of the day, this is just what I keep saying on the show. They will fucking ruin anything with their religion of progressivism. And I am sorry. Little kids don't need to have gay shit rubbed down their neck. They don't need it. They just don't. Did I say rubbed? Shoved. Thank you. I fixed it. To the college. Grad students. Gaming culture privileges. Hyper-masculine men. Yeah. University of Arizona graduate students argue in his thesis paper that video gaming culture privileges cis, heterosexual, and hyper-sexualized men. Jeremy Omari contends that the larger gamer community is littered with hyper-masculinity, heterosexual, cis male, and often white privileges, noting that a large gay gaming group in Arizona is very white. I'd hate to be on their team. Like, you're really a good wide receiver, but you're not, you're, you're white, so you're not good. Jordy Nelson would not be invited to their club if he was a gay man and played games. I don't know how that analogy worked out. I don't think it really did. Protesters, free speech protects racist violence and bigotry. Not reading the rest, that is a common theme for any school in California. I can just say, University of California, blah, blah, blah. That's what they say. This one's another English department covered in signs attacking Trump capitalism. This is the University of Nebraska. A professor from the very same department was among those who taunted and harassed a conservative student in August while she tried to recruit for a TPUSA chapter on campus. We covered it on the show. Yeah. I'm telling you, don't... it. You know, back in the day, coming out gay was very hard for people who are homosexual. I understand that. It's not brave. Now, even though Kevin Spacey gets a pass for being a pedophile, it's not really brave. Saying you're conservative is very brave in these times. On college campuses, Hollywood, newscasters, even podcasters. I mean, shit. Being conservative is really swimming upstream. This one goes with the gay shit. Students accused of hatred for for defending traditional marriage. Leaders of the Georgetown University Pride Student Group are demanding that student government cut all funding and benefits for Love Saxa, a pro-traditional marriage group. Love Saxa's proponents 
claim that the group is ineligible because its mission fosters hatred and intolerance by insisting that marriage should be a monogamous and permanent union between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's, that doesn't surprise me. All the flack I got for just saying that I, whatever, they can have gay marriage, but I'm still thinking it should be traditional because state rights. Yeah, I was hounded for that. Feminist professor says traditional science, wait for it, oh, you know, racist. Yeah, math was racist last week, our last podcast. Now science is racist. Basically what they're for, gay people of color go to college, protest, chant, disrupt classes, get a degree just because of their skin color. Okay. Miami art professor turns American flags into KKK hoods and they let him display it. It's a bit art symposium. Wait a minute. Didn't Mar- didn't Oberman just blow up on some conservative female because she wore a bikini that was American flag and he wraps himself on a flag for his actual show? That's his moniker for the show? Yeah. I guess he's lefty. Okay, he's like Kevin Spacey. He's good. Exclusive DNC official says she doesn't want to recruit cisgender straight straight white male. They don't want more individuals in the majority having jobs within the party. This is a real thing, folks. I'll read the email. Employees within the Democratic National Committee are looking for new employee in the technological department. However, the DNC is apparently not interested in your resume if you happen to be a white man. An email issued DNC Insiders on Monday, Data Service Manager Madeline Leader announced that the technological technology, I'm sorry, department is looking to fill several positions and asked interested parties to forward the openings to their colleagues. She included the following caveat, though. I personally would prefer that you not forward to cisgender straight white males. Since they already in the majority. Mm-hmm. They already. That was their English. Interesting. So they're doubling down. That's the left, man. That is the left. They're so fucking PC. They couldn't even just go with Tom Perez. They still like Keith Ellison. Because he was a gay white dude. Okay. Hmm. Out of the touchy-feely into the weird. Enormous, enormous, it's an enormous, it's enormous glowing ball as seen over northern Siberia after fuel from four Russian rockets tested overnight created an illusion in the sky. People freaked the fuck out. They thought it was the real deal. Doggone UFOs. This one cracked me up, but it's still scary as shit. Dash cam, 10-year-old boy leads police on a 100-mile-per-hour chase. A 10-year-old boy is accused of stealing his mother's car in Cleveland on Hadley Avenue and leading police on a high-speed chase. Authorities tell WKYC the chase itself began in Westlake and ended up in mile marker 121 on the Ohio Turnpike near Sandusky. At times, the boy drove at speeds up to 100 miles per hour along the turnpike. After making eye contact with the boy during the chase, a trooper singled him to pull over. The boy shook his head no and kept on driving. After going off the side of the roadway, a cruiser crashed in the vehicle and brought the chase to the end and arrested the idiot. Reader tells WKYC the boy was combative after the chase concluded, allegedly spitting and kicking on authorities. 
Then they put this line in, which says, this person's the parent of the year. Cleveland police say this is the second incident involving the same child. Yeah. Hmm. Where you at, parents? Good Lord. Ancient city has been discovered in the middle of the ocean. This is on a science channel. What on earth reveal images of a mysterious location just off the coast of the tiny nation of Micronesia? Search it online. Freak you the fuck out. Freak you the fuck out. It was there at one time. North Korean nuclear tunnel collapses, killing at least 200 people amid fear of massive radioactive leak. I put this in the crazy because it can't be confirmed. I don't know who the hell got this, but if it did, awesome. I hope they all glow in the dark. This is scary. Tokyo police have arrested 27-year-old Takahiro Sarashishi, who reportedly confessed to hacking the flesh off bodies. What bodies, you say? Oh, the nine headless ones they found in his apartment. Oh, God, you just don't know how many freaking weird-ass people are out there, and I don't want to know. Warrant. Punished child forced to brush teeth with cat feces. San Antonio area couple punished this young children their young children by forcing one to eat and brush her teeth with cat feces, shocking the same child with a dog collar, and beating them all with thorny switches. James Howard Chalkley and his wife Cheyenne, both well she's twenty two, he's thirty two, were arrested and they should be beaten the fuck down by the guy from her lighter fair in a few seconds. Who's just fucking massive. I don't know if he's really in jail. I can't really find where this came from. I got it from Big Sis. Um, but, yeah. That's fucking horrible. Also this week, um, I don't know where it was. My wife got it. She confirmed it. Two parents were arrested after their baby, when they called paramedics, was dead. It had been left in its walker for a week. Its diaper was full of maggots. They did not feed the child. The child was four months old, but he was size of like a one-month-old child. Wow. There are some evil fucking people out there. What a bummer way to go out to our lighter fair. What's up, man? Kali Muscle here. And all y'all motherfuckers out there in the free world been asking me how I eat to get these big-ass muscles. So guess what? We got cooking with slow-ass Kali Muscle today. I'm going to show you how to get 5,000 minimum calories a day in you. You want to be a physique model because you don't know how to eat a lot of calories. So I'm going to show you. Let's hit it. I'm going to show you how to get swole with this meal here. And this ain't for you. If you're an Abercrombie Fitch model, if you're a one-way model, you don't need all these calories. Go ahead, keep on eating your almonds and your asparagus. You still have for a side order of celery. So you bust these up here, some good ramen. It don't matter whatever kind you like, motherfucker. Each one of these is over 400 calories. I'm going to do two times 190, 380 calories, you see? And the protein, 8 grams of protein per. So that's 8 times 3, 24 grams of protein. 
how many carbs up in this motherfucker? Full of sodium though, so if you retain water, it might not be good for you. You see? Let's see, 28, 26, so 50 grams of carbs each one. That's 150 grams of carbs, you see? So it ain't that much. So bam, you do that. So what I do now, I got to get the hot water. I asked this bitch ass CO to bring the water five minutes ago, and he didn't. Where you at, bitch made motherfucker? About time, you sorry bastard. Look at it. Boy, that's going to swell up, nigga. I'm going to gain five pounds of raw muscle. So we let that sit about five, ten minutes. Let it swell up. Here we go. We about to drain this water now. You see, after you let it swell up, you drain the excess water. We don't want it too soupy. Oh, yeah. Let that, look at them carbs. There's starch and carbs on there. You know, I don't like to really get out of the way. I should drink it. But, you know, I'm not going to be... A nigga will kill you for that in prison. So then what you do, you get these seasoning packs. You see that? You evenly dispense it on there like that. Oh, this is good. This is good. <laughs> so after that, you see this? Then you get the good mayo. See that? You just put a little bit on. I'm kind of lactose intolerant, so I just dab it on there a little bit. You see? I'm about to gain 10 pounds of muscle off this one meal. There you go. Get a little mayonnaise up in there. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the sodium count on this, you're looking at 4,000 milligrams. And guess what? All y'all out there drinking and eating that creatine, this is my creatine. Sodium. It fills my muscle up. That good water fills it up like a sponge. Get some of this honey right there. No carbs. Look at that. Y'all see on the streets, y'all don't know nothing about this. See, yeah, we use that for everything. When we're about to work out, bam, take it. Oh, man. You do it like that, what I didn't use? That's a relish right here. See that? Got this tuna right here. Let's see this. Let's see this. So it's 50 calories, two servings. That's 100 calories. Then we got protein, 11 gram type 2. That's 22 grams of good protein. Oh, yeah. Man, but when you eat them, you're going to have to have one of them uh, jack-off books. You see? You see? Because them oysters, boy, how you going? Got that niacin up in there. A little need a little more than that. Make it a little wetter. You see? Put y'all in the counting calories and all that shit. I'm going to have to say this is around 3,000 calories. You know? Three to 4,000 calories, depending on how much mayo you use, relish, honey, full of sodium. That's why I'm so swole. I'm getting at least 6,000 milligrams of sodium a day. Mm. This meal only costs 10, 20, 30. This is the most expensive thing. This is about $2. So that's 230. Can the tuna up in here. I ain't gotta pay for that. Cause I run shit and I just tell them bring it to me. So that's 230. Bop, bop, nothing, nothing. They bring it to me because I run shit. $2.30. This right here for me, I'm a big man, you see? So that's one meal for me. That's two days worth of meals for y'all skinny motherfuckers out there. Hyphen food is a shit. So with that, I'm done talking to y'all. Y'all been in my cell too goddamn long. The fuck out of my cell before I do something to you, nigga. 
Decided to change it up this time and actually play the lighter fare before I said, hey, here's the lighter fare. That was from Big Sis. She found it on Facebook. I thought that shit was freaking hilarious. Which leads us into a new segment we're going to do from Big Sis. For my birthday, she got me the New York Times, your birthday, October 9th, 1967. And my name's in Boston. It's a beautiful, hardbound book. Um, you know, like a table book. It's pretty big. And... In it, you get the headlines for your birthday, in my case, 50 years old. And then you get the big stuff through the whole life, right? So you're going to get the first 50 pages basically is you. And then you get the century timeline uh, going from 1900s to 2000. Um, it even covers Trump in here. Trump triumphs. Outsider mogul captures the presidency. So I figured every other podcast or every once in a while, just for, you know, kind of a historical perspective, we would cover it. And this is the Monday, October 9th, 1967 cover. Uh, and I'll just read the, the big headlines. Democrats pick Chicago as site of 68 convention. And for those who are up on history, that's pretty apropos because that was a seriously horrible time in our country and it was actually done on my birthday. Medical scientists differ on safety of marijuana. That was 50 years ago. I could read an article today. Medical scientists differ, differ, differ on science or safety of marijuana. It really hasn't changed. Depends who you talk to. St. Louis wins 6-0 to take a 3-1 lead in the World Series. Major Migfield in Haifong area raided for the first time. An American soldier being carted by a female VC. Can't really see if uh, it's true. U.S. German tank on display today. Cambridge welcomes a freshman, Prince Charles. And on the cover, to show that we have not changed, ever, our enemy in 67 was still Russia. We were fighting proxy wars against them. Soviet women cherish their femininity. That's a cover story for the New York Times. So I guess I can say, without reservations, that in my lifetime, the New York Times has always been a liberal bastion. And talking about liberal bastions, I'm just going to read the headline. Plan to split California into three separate states clears first hurdle. The plan led by billionaire venture capitalist Tim Draper calls for the breaking California into northern, southern, and coastal states. The northern states aptly named Northern California includes Sacramento and San Francisco, coastal Los Angeles, while Southern California would be San Diego and Fresno. So when they're not trying to secede from the Union, they now have a big group to make them three separate states. Because I think they're starting to get to the point they can't finance all the free. Too much free. They're not going to be able to give everybody free everything in the Socialist Republic of California. 
So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments by emailing F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Foppodcast dot com. It's a theme. There you'll see show, see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page and email us, and you'll also see links to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page. I'll be doing some blogs this week because I'm probably not going to do a podcast till, um, I'm looking at doing a podcast next week. So we'll shoot for, uh, only one this week. I got a lot of crap going on. The sixth, the sixth, because I have to leave. Um, early from work because I'll be working the weekend and I will come home and crank out a Monday podcast. So make sure you tune into that and catch up on the other ones. I want to close by thanking everybody for listening. In the month of October, we had over 1,500 listens, a lot of individual new users. Uh, I think it's being followed by close to 150 people now. We're back up to the 150 range and I want to give a shout out to all those people in Germany listening. A lot of Germany, a lot of Europe, um, and a lot of people in the same places, Virginia, uh, out in California, the whole nine yards. So thank you all for listening. Please pass it to your friends. And as always, send an email to foppodcast at gmail.com, foppodcast.gmail.com shameless plugging. If you ever want to hear anything on the show, especially during the holidays, um, you want to hear a new subject? Bring it up. For those that are also uh, as fired up as I am about the abortion, please pass that segment. It's downloadable to your friends. I think a lot of people have never heard what a second trimester abortion actually is. And when you hear it, it definitely makes you horribly sad. That's horrible. And as a human species, human, part of the species is what I meant to say, um, you know, we, we should be better than that. We, we really should. So please have a safe week as you go about your business. Have a fantastic weekend. Start decking your halls. And as always, dis- disconnect from all your devices. Give your family and friends the undivided attention they deserve. It's a short ride. Don't waste it poking somebody on Facebook. And as always, Thanks for listening, friends, and take care. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor.